Welcome, everyone, to episode number one of the Boxing 101 podcast. I'm going to introduce both myself and my co-host here. Who am I? Well, I'm John Trey J. Judnack. Got a long history in television, radio, and business. Now, to give you an idea of when I broke out, this is back in the early 1970s, maybe before you were born, Ralph. I broke into TV on a talk show. Now, you're going to have to Google this, I'm sure. But this is a talk show with Gilligan, Mr. Magoo, and Hogan of Hogan's Heroes. This is back from the 70s. Okay, first time I was scared to death. Now, uh, the first boxing match that I ever covered was in the mid-90s at the San Diego Sports Arena where Terry Norris was in the main event. Now, who was I working for? It was the hottest sports radio station west of the Mississippi, Extra Sports 690. Now, I could go on and on, and of course, that would probably get really boring, so I won't. That gives you a little bit of an idea about my background. Now, sitting across on this fabulous round table, the co-host, Ralph Gonzalez. Now, I met Ralph at uh, some boxing events years ago. He was writing for fightnews.com at that time. Yes. And you also wrote for Notifight? Notifight, Spanish boxing website portal. So, Ralph, drop some names on us, will you, and tell us more about you and what you've been doing in this uh, boxing community. Well, I started uh, working for fightnews.com back in 2001 when the first boxing websites came out. And I got a chance to interview people like Oscar De La Hoya, uh, the great promoter Bob Arum, Marco Antonio Barrera, Julio Cesar Chavez, Floyd Mayweather when he was coming up. Pretty much everybody on the scene. And uh, Do you remember when Floyd, didn't he used to come into the arena on a horse? Remember that way back when he used to come in or he had a uh, either uh, – I know now he wears a sombrero every yes. now and then, but he used to – I thought he – didn't he come in as a as a knight or something at one time way back when? There was some – there was a few times when uh, he was definitely being very flamboyant. Uh, that changed throughout the years. Now he wears the uh, Mexican sombrero uh, with the Mexican colors. Uh, especially when he fights Mexican fighters like Canelo Alvarez. Um, so, yeah, th- he's gone through quite a transformation since back then. So you've been around. I've been around. I've uh, I've covered fights pretty much everywhere, Las Vegas, L.A., San Diego, Mexico. Um, and I've covered hundreds of fights, um, covered fights at the Playboy Mansion. I've covered fights at the sports arena, Staples Center. You name it, I've been there. And, you know, I think we didn't know each other back then, but I think I happened to be at an event for the ESPYs uh, and, uh, over at the Playboy Mansion, and I think we were there on the same night. Yes, I was covering the fights for ESPN. Um, I remember the main event was a specially bloody affair. Um, I had blood all over myself. I was uh, sitting there ringside with a white silk shirt on, which was a big mistake. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, again, it was at the Playboy Mansion, great event, great fights. Oh, it was a great event. I can, I can vouch for that. So uh, why, don't we, why don't we get into a little bit what our show is all about and why are we calling this thing uh, Boxing 101? 
Well, I'll speak for me, and then, and then you chime in. We just basically want to break it all down, not only from some aspects of boxing, but also uh, from the aspects of what's happening, as I hit the microphone, what's happening uh, behind the scenes, You know, whether it be the promoters, the broadcasters, the arenas, the fighters, the trainers, whoever it is. And so, by the way... This is our very first episode number one podcast, so we're just starting to break everything out. But on Facebook, it's going to be at Boxing 101 Podcast. Then on Instagram, same, Boxing 101 Podcast. And that's just the beginning, so this thing's going to be all out there. We're going to be have it on YouTube and, and, uh, and wherever else. So what I, what I think we need to do is we just finished – a huge event. Yes. And uh, this was this, uh, this uh, for us right now, this past weekend, Manny Pacquiao and, and Keith Thurman. Uh, I've got some notes here, so I want to read it. Uh, I want to start it out by a couple of comments by uh, guys, a couple of guys, Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. Yes. He picked Thurman by decision. All right. And he said two years ago, and this is a quote from him, Thurman was elite. He had back-to-back wins over Sean Porter and Danny Garcia and had a case to be called number one welterweight in the world. And he says, Chris said, I still believe that guy is there. I think Thurman's athleticism is going to keep him away from Pacquiao's power. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But then Greg Bishop said the bout, I think, hinges on whether what we've seen from both fighters in the past couple of years is the real result of one Pacquiao's career resurgence and Thurman's injury uh, related law. Both of them had the kind of related law a little bit there. And then number two, good and bad matchmaking, the boxing equivalent of smoke and mirrors. So he took Pacquiao. So, Ralph, you and I happened to be together that night and watch it on TV from this huge boxing party. Yes. Uh, so we're going to get into that. And then right after, we're going to talk to someone who is there at the arena and uh, knows and gives us the whole damn vibe from uh, the boxing town USA in Vegas. So what did you think of that fight? Because it was great. It was indeed an exciting fight. And I tell you, a lot of people were surprised that Pacquiao at 40 years old can still perform at that level. Um, I mean, who wouldn't be? A lot of fighters at 40, they fall apart, but Pacquiao still has it. Not only does he have the speed and the footwork, he still has the hunger and the fury in him, and he showed it. I mean, he took on a much younger man, a very, very solid fighter, a very good champion, knocked him down first round, and I think that really set the tone for the fight, if you think about it. Yeah, and didn't uh, Chris Maddox happen to say he didn't think he had the power? Now, I mean, if you if you look at it, okay, maybe Thurman was just a little bit off balance, okay, a little bit, but Pacquiao caught him in the chin, and Thurman didn't expect it because he didn't think he could do it, and and when Pacquiao caught him in the chin, that was enough to send him over. Well, he hit him in the right spot, took his legs out, as you saw, Thurman smiled. Uh, when he was on the canvas, he was surprised. He didn't think he could get hurt like that. Um, I mean, he wasn't too hurt. It was uh, slightly hurt, but enough to take his legs. And uh, I tell you, I think he was shocked. 
he was shocked that he got caught like that by a 40-year-old guy. But uh, Pacquiao, he can move around the ring, just change. <laughs> you never know what he's going to do, really. And that's why I think it's so hard to prepare, you know, prepare for the guy. Because he is going to hop around and he is going to try and hit you from all angles. Correct or His not? His footwork is incredible. Just incredible. He'll jump in and out. He'll be in your face. Then he'll be away three feet. And uh, his athleticism is still there. Of course, he's not who he used to be, but he still got it. The guy still got it. Well, I think what we should do right now is bring in our very first guest on this show. So we're going to bring in our, our, our very special uh, guest of this episode one of Boxing 101. So let's set the stage a little bit before she comes on. She is the winner of multiple journalism awards for writing, editing, and producing. She has a Master of Science in Mass Communications from San Diego State University, the San Diego Press Club Public Relations Professional of the Year, and she travels around the country, and I don't know, maybe even around the globe, covering uh, boxing for Community Digital News. She also, by the way, loves dancing and dogs, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. Hopefully she can stick around for that. Now, from somewhere here in San Diego County, by Skype, is Gail Falkenthal. Gail. Greetings, gentlemen. I am honored to be on the inaugural edition of Boxing 101. Thank you. Well, we are so happy you're here. Great to have you. You know, um, you know. Of, of course, the very first thing that we want to talk about is the fight that you were at. So, um, you know, you had, yeah, yep, there, there you go. Is. Legit right just, there. Just for the audience, there's the proof, right? Nice. The credential. You know, uh, and of course, a lot of us are jealous. So, you know, get that out of the way right away. <laughs> we'll, we'll write for a ringside seat. What can I say? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I saw a couple of uh, comments uh, by you, a couple of clips by you. One of them was uh, former champion Marco Antonio Barrera, you know, who lost a lopsided decision to Pacquiao. When was that? Back in 2007. And that was for the WBC Super Featherweight uh, title. Now Pacquiao's come up a little bit in weight since then. Uh, and he said it was very difficult to face Pacquiao. He's a lefty, and sometimes he jumps in. He jumps a meter away from you, and then he's right back in front of you. So what did you see while you were there with the fight, and what's, you know, what's your attitude on it? We saw Manny Pacquiao turn back the clock a decade. It was an astonishing performance. Interestingly enough, in the week leading up to the fight, a lot of fighters, a lot of trainers, a lot of pundits were all asked, who do you think is going to win? And it did split among the two camps with the majority picking Pacquiao, surprisingly, especially the fighters, both past and current, a majority maybe 60, 40, pick Pacquiao, like Marco Antonio Barrera did. In fact, journalists were invited to a roundtable discussion with Eric Morales, El Terrible, Barrera, 
Winky Wright, and Sean Porter. Sean, who of course had faced Thurman, and asked them what did they think uh, about the fight? How did they think it was going to turn out? And even Porter, who had been beaten by Thurman narrowly, I might add, talked about Thurman's assets, but still thought Pacquiao had a very good chance to win. Um, so that was interesting to see who, who was uh, picking sides. I did pick Pacquiao by decision, and I turned out to be right. But boy, after that first round knockdown, I thought, I don't know if he's going to see the final bell. Credit to Thurman for being the party that made it the fight it was. You know, you've got to have a dance partner to dance well. And Pacquiao had Thurman. So credit to Thurman. He got knocked on his butt in the first round. Pacquiao split the guard, caught him coming in like he has for 24 years. And Thurman just said, where'd that come from? Like every fighter before him who's been caught the same way. Thurman could have given up right there. He gets the paycheck either way. They don't get paid by the hour. To Thurman's credit, he proved he's an athlete, he's a warrior, he kept going. It took him a few rounds to figure out, what can I do? What is the key to solving the Pacquiao problem? And when you saw him start coming on in the middle rounds, he owned round six, seven, eight, nine, and we started thinking, this is gonna be very close. Is it going to come down to that single point disadvantage from the first round. And then Pacquiao came out and in the 10th round and scored a tremendous body shot on Thurman. We saw Thurman bend over, buckle at the knees. He did not go down. He was smart enough not to have that reflex to put the glove down to balance himself, which is often where they get caught for a knockdown when they don't really go down. But what he did do is he spit his mouthpiece out because he had to gasp for air. I mean, he actually took it out with his hand. He didn't spit it down to the canvas. So he took it out, took a big breath, and he carried on, but the damage was done. And he tried to come back in the 11th and 12th rounds. The judges split on those rounds, and it turned out to be the difference. I scored the fight 115 to 112. That's what two of the judges did as well. Inexplicably, we had a third judge, a very good judge, Tim Cheatham, who gave it 114 to 113 to Thurman. But that's I mean, why they've got three judges. And, so I, and I mean, I it ends well. But like so many times, I mean, okay, so was he sitting on the same side as you? Because I know many times judges say, well, I'm sitting on another side, and I saw it a little bit different. You know, I don't know where Cheatham was sitting. Um, I can't imagine as much as they moved around the ring. Uh, were in the center of the ring for a large part of the fight. And when they did get over to the ropes, it was on different sides multiple times. I mean, there really is no excuse. Um, you know, judges do value different things in the ring. Despite what the judging standards say, everyone's got their preferences. It is... You know, it, it has human fallibility and human judgment built in, which is why there are three judges. We've had some real boner judging on fights, Lord knows. Uh, there have been suggestions about instant replay. There have been suggestions about adding uh, two or three more judges or um, a reserve judge. 
in big fights, uh, nothing's ever been decided. So we still have the three judge situation. Well, I think we, we, uh, there's the Nevada commission, there's other commissions. So there's no uniform commission is, is, would that make a difference? Do you think? To bring well, it together. that's also been a point of discussion for many years. Do we need a boxing czar? You know, do we need the equivalent of the NBA commissioner or Roger Goodell or Dana White? Dana White is more than a commissioner. Dana White owns the UFC martial arts brand. So he's not just a commissioner. He's a flat-out dictator. And the reason that boxing thrives in large part, in my opinion, is competition. There is no one control. Unfortunately, that means we do have separate state commissions, no one overarching standard. Like a lot of things, the states that have a lot of fights in general administer uh, things very well. California, Nevada, New York, New Jersey. Beyond that, at Texas, I will say, is starting to host more fights and inevitably they'll get a little better. Beyond that, if you're willing to fight in Iowa or Omaha, Terrence Crawford, or you're building up a fan base at home somewhere else, Florida, Baltimore, things can get a little sketchy. And it's not necessarily corruption. It's the fact that the judges simply don't get enough practice. If you're in Southern California or Las Vegas, you can referee or judge virtually every weekend of the year and in between some. So you're busy, and that experience lends to better decision-making. Um, Gail, I have a quick question. Um, now, Teddy Atlas put out a tweet regarding uh, Pacquiao's performance. He said something to the effect of uh, that Manny still had the gas in him, but what kind of gas was he on? Basically alluding to possible uh, PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, since there was no VADA testing. Um, what do you think about that? I heard that uh, interview with Teddy, and uh, remember, he had a fighter beaten twice by Pacquiao. So put that into put it, put that out there for consideration. VADA testing was not used in this fight. Both camps, both fighters agreed. There was no disagreement. There was no argument about it. Thurman was perfectly okay with it. On a media call with several reporters, Thurman's attitude was, listen, maybe he needs to take steroids facing me, whatever. He was apparently unconcerned. So I trust the fighters in this situation. Usually if promoters have a concern, they negotiate that up front. If both fighters are in full agreement, voluntarily go without testing, they're the ones in the ring. It's up to them. Where do they go from here? Where does, where does Thurman go from here? Where does Pac-Man go from here? Interesting. Thurman, before the fight, talked openly about not being sure how much longer he wanted to get in the ring, how much more he wanted to be hit for a living before moving on with the rest of his life and being very candid that he didn't want to be a guy damaged by the sport. However, after the fight, in the post-fight remarks, Thurman said, pardon me, guys. <coughs> I'm going to take a drink here. <coughs> a 
after the fight, Thurman said, you know, I realize now how much I have missed boxing. I realize how much I enjoy it. So I disregard some of the things he said before the fight about, "Eh, I'm not sure how much more I want to fight. Despite the loss, Thurman is still at the very top of the welterweight division. You could argue that before this fight, he was number one or number two, perhaps, behind Errol Spence. He's got a lot left to offer. He's he's barely 30 years old. Who wouldn't want to see Keith Thurman? Likely what will happen is the winner of the upcoming fight between Errol Spence and Sean Porter will face Pacquiao if he wants it. If not, Thurman's in the wings. And Thurman can still make fights with a lot of the other rising talent in the welterweight division and test himself. And after this weekend's fight, who wouldn't want to see Keith Thurman in the ring again? I sure would. It's only his first loss. I don't think anybody needs to write Keith one time Thurman off. I think there are plenty more times in Thurman's career. Absolutely. He is a great champion and a classy guy, too. You know, the lead up was fairly classy. I mean, Thurman got into it a little bit. Thurman is a very bright man. Despite the fact he never finished high school, he quit to box. He's well-read, curious about the world. You know, people tease him a little bit about kind of being a hippie and doing yoga, and he taught himself to play the flute. But he's got a bright, bright mind. I, I, for one, when he quits, would love to see him become a commentator or do something to stay in boxing um, and lend us his thoughts. He did a little bit of trash talking and uh, building himself up before the fight. I think it was in fairly good taste. I, I didn't have any problem with a lot of what he said. Manny laughed off a lot of it. He commented to, hey, this is motivating me. Everything he says is, you know, getting me pumped for the fight. He did say, yeah, my, Thurman made my mom mad, but he, he seemed to understand <laughs> what it was all about. So uh, I had no problem with it. I'd love to see Keith stay in the sport a little bit longer. I think his career has probably got less in front of him than it does behind him. It's, he's thinking about life after boxing. And I do wish more fighters would think like that you know one thing that that i think you know kind of if you know we could uh, bring it to close a little bit on this fight and move on to another one uh it with pacquiao and gosh i've been watching him for years uh and i remember when he's just a little kid basically is what he looked like coming over from the philippines i think his hair was spiked up or something like that and green or blue he had like blonde streaks (laughs) You know what is here? Blonde tips, which you know have come back. What can I say? That too. Um, yeah. He was a little kid, John. He was 16 years old. 24. He's been a professional fighter 24 years. And you know, That's incredible. I know it. And and he the way I I think the way some people kind of. Uh, lose focus on him a little bit as he's such a nice guy and he's smiling all the time. He doesn't say much at all except a compliment, you know. And yet when, I, and it's just remarkable. I mean, he'll be walking into the ring and he's smiling, but the moment it's like he gets into the ring, he just turns into somebody else. He morphs into this massive being that's going to take you out. That's all there is to it. 
good fighters do that. A lot of good fighters have a way of compartmentalizing what they do, and they do have a different persona that they bring into the ring with them. Um, another great example is Gennady Golovkin. He is the guy you'd borrow a lawnmower from if he was your neighbor, right? <laughs> Outside the ring. Inside the ring, he's Mr. Hyde. He's he's a crazy man. He's got the fire, the you know, the eye of the tiger. That is a thing that really happens. And they get in the ring and they are relentless. They are focused. Um, it's something that people who are excellent at what they do are able to do. And then they put it aside back in the box carefully and wrap it up until they need it the next time. Well, you know, you brought up Triple G, so let's move on a little bit. Is Canelo running from him right now? What do you think? I mean, is it hype? What do you think, Ralph? I don't believe he's running. Uh, at this point, it's his handlers who handle everything. Um, he's trying to pick the best fight for him. And, uh, no, I don't think fighters at this level run from each other. I mean, Canelo's got a huge, huge contract. He makes a lot of money. He's on a whole other level. I just, I, I don't believe he's running. I think uh, if the fight makes sense, it will eventually get done. Well, okay, so you've seen, you've seen him in the ring, both of them, Gail. So do you think that age is ticking away a little bit at Triple G and maybe Canelo wants to just kind of hold off a little bit? like Floyd liked to do with everybody? Canelo has been in the game a long time. Remember, he also started as a professional boxer in his teens, and he's now 28. So he's hasn't quite been in as long as Pacquiao, but he's learned his lessons well. Canelo's a very smart guy. There are a few factors in play. Number one, Canelo absolutely hates Golovkin's guts. There's Why? No other Why? They, he does not like the man. They, you know, all of us have somebody that just rubs us the wrong way. And Canelo doesn't like him. Doesn't like him, doesn't like to deal with him, doesn't like to deal with his people. And I think it also irritates the heck out of him that in a lot of ways his legacy is tied to Golovkin. Now, he says many times, Golovkin, your legacy is you know, connected to me, you know, I made you. Frequently when people say something like that, they're also in large part talking about themselves. And I don't think he likes that. He wants to stand on his own. So this is a power play, absolutely, to show who's boss. I'm gonna put you on ice. You can wait off there in the corner. Fine, go off and do your thing. I don't need to find another opponent right away. And the truth is, there are a lot of opponents out there for Canelo, but Canelo has another master he has to serve with the numbers, with the uh, initials D-A-Z-N, Dazon, right? He's got a big, big $300 million plus contract with Dazon. Dazon has the right to okay potential opponents for Canelo. The only two opponents on the list, reportedly, that Dazon signed off on for Canelo's next fight were Golovkin and Sergei Kovalev, which is sort of out of the blue, but the more you think about it, the more you think makes sense. Uh, Canelo is a big middleweight. He's fought at super middleweight. Light heavyweight is within shouting distance. 
Uh, Kovalev is not a big light heavyweight, and he's a big name, and he's available. Intriguing fight. However, Kovalev has a mandatory scheduled August 24th in his hometown in Russia. The first fight ever scheduled in his hometown against Anthony Yard of Great Britain. And while there was a a possibility of paying Yard step-aside money and Kovalev taking the fight, and he's willing to come to Las Vegas despite getting screwed on the scorecards, that's another story, Um, he wanted too much money. And his own and Golden Boy wouldn't agree to it. The fight fell apart. So here we are, no dance partner for Canelo. What do they do? So we have a game of boxing chicken going on, boxing promotional chicken, right? And Canelo didn't blink. And he said, give up the date. I'm willing to wait. He's waiting for Kovalev. He's waiting on Kovalev to see what happens August 24th. Now, a win by Kovalev is not a given. It's... You know, he is certainly favored, and especially in his home country, with a young opponent that's fairly untested. But we've seen stranger things happen in boxing. Nevertheless, should Kovalev win, not get injured, not take a lot of damage, I think we'll expect to see Canelo and Kovalev later this year. Kovalev's willing to fight a little more often, and he is near the end of his career at age 37, and he'd probably love a big, you know, redheaded paycheck and take it. Um, be a great fight for him, honestly. And the two promotional camps, Golden Boy and Main Events, who is still handling Kovalev, uh, work well together. There's no animosity between them uh, other than the fact that Kovalev wanted a decent paycheck. So that still may be a little bit of a sticking point. As the clock ticks, I think Golden Boy will roll over. They need end of zone. They need a fight on the books with Canelo, their cash cow. And one one other thing I need to point out for fans, you know, it doesn't only affect the main event. You have a, an undercard of anywhere from six to eight to ten to a dozen fights. Those fights don't get made. Those young guys, those rising stars, don't get exposure when a big fight is made. So all the guys that were thinking, oh, wow, I want to be on the Kovalev or or the Canelo undercard um, on Mexican Independence Day weekend, that's gone. They need to make new plans now. So guys like uh, Hector Tanahara in the Golden Boy stable, for example, Um, Victor Ortiz, who are, are, excuse me, Virgil Ortiz Jr., who's fighting here in a couple of weeks, could easily come back and fight on an undercard at his level there. You know, that's gone. So the boxing world spins on. Okay, so let's turn to one more. Everybody's talking about Andy Ruiz Jr. So the destroyer. <laughs> so <laughs> what have you heard? I mean, maybe it's changing every day. Uh, rematch, they're saying potentially in Cardiff. Uh no. I don't Ralph shaking it. his head no. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe New it. New York? Happen. It'll be New no. York or Vegas. I It'll think. be in New York. It'll be in New York. Uh, that's a good compromise. Um, Matchroom, of course, and, jo- and Joshua would love to bring it back to Great Britain. Um, it's a bigger money fight there. It is. But um, Ruiz doesn't want to go to Great Britain. And he's the A-side now. I am the captain now. 
says the destroyer. Who would and have thunk, right? However, uh, in the rematch clause, he doesn't have quite the control a normal A side would. Matchroom was pretty smart to write in um, the requirements in the rematch clause. That's what they're working through right now. Of course, very few people other than Ruiz really thought he was going to have control of a rematch. So here we are. Uh, Ruiz is really holding out for New York. And I believe Joshua, given the choice, would much rather fight in New York, whereas British fans uh, can come in droves uh, versus Vegas and versus the Vegas scorecards. Uh, I think that probably scares them a little. Vegas crowds are overwhelmingly Mexican and Mexican-American. That's not a good look for Joshua. Uh, British fans do they're amazing. They follow their guys to the ends of the earth. But the truth is, fewer would definitely come to Vegas versus New York. And I think being at the scene of the first fight uh, has some resonance to it, makes some sense. Uh, they're both familiar. They're both comfortable with the commission, the judges, the referees. They're first class. They're world class. I think that's where we're going to see the destroyer. But let me tell you something. He is enjoying this so <laughs> Oh, really? Much. And good for him. You know, the whole improbable ride, he just hasn't changed a bit. You know, a lot of him have wa uh, us have watched him in Southern California's gyms. Um, you know, he didn't grow up very far from here, guys. And he fought in the amateur ranks here in San Diego as a young guy. Uh, in fact, frequently he had to come to San Diego to get amateur fights. Because he's so darn big for his age, he had to fight older kids. And there just simply weren't enough of them in Imperial, in Imperial County. So he, re he recalls coming here as a 12-year-old. He was that big even then. But let me tell you, if you've watched him, you watch how fast he is for a big man, how well he carries himself. You know, heavyweights don't have to look like they're a Greek carved statue and, and Andy Ruiz gave hope to a whole lot of guys in the ring. You know, he's got skill. He was underestimated. You just should never do that. 2019 has been the year of the upset guys throw in Andrew Cancio and a whole list behind he and Ruiz. And, and you've got a lot of upsets this year. Now, um, Eddie Hearn, uh, he has been announcing that the fight will most likely take place in Cardiff, although people who know boxing know that's probably not going to happen. What's the point of that? Is that uh, some kind of negotiation ploy? That's Eddie Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Hearn is a, a businessman, a showman. He could star in the P.T. Barnum remake if you Jackman doesn't want to do it again. Um, that's Eddie Hearn. Eddie, Eddie Hearn is never at a loss for words, even if he doesn't really have anything to say. Um, you know, maybe this is an appe you know appeasement to his you know British fans who would, of course, dearly love to see Joshua fight Ruiz at home. I just don't think it's going to happen. And if you ask Ruiz, he will tell you it's going to be in New York. And he holds the cards. He's the champion. He's got the belt. I don't think Matchroom wants to force him legally into terms. I think they would much rather come to terms 
on their own agree freely. Absolutely. Okay, one more thing. You ready for this? Now uh, we're going to throw a curveball at everybody. We're going to jump out of the boxing arena a little bit. And I know, see, she mentions dancing all the time, Ralph. You yes. hear that? Every now and then she drops it in. I know that she also writes for uh, Community Digital uh, for dan- uh, about dancing with the stars. So my question is, is Bobby Bones going to be a judge now on uh, season 28? And, you know, for, for, for every... No, 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 we, We're talking about oh judging. God, don't freak the fans out. No. We're talking about judging in boxing, right? And whether it can be good or bad. Well, then you give all the, the weight to the public to throw in and vote for who's going to win in this particular thing. So, like, uh, Bobby Bones, who, let's face it, anybody's ever watched Dancing with the Stars, and to, to, to put this in perspective, Floyd Mayweather was on there, too, okay? So I want everybody to remember that, because we're talking boxing here. Bobby Bones was on there, and let's say he was not the best dancer. By uh, maybe a long shot. enthusiastic, <laughs> uh, I will say that. But obviously, when the vote is weighted, with 50% coming from the fans and 50% coming from the judges, the fans could override the judges. Um, wouldn't that be interesting to see in boxing? Oh, my Lord. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know what? There's so many of us that disagree with the, the way it uh, about will turn out. I mean, uh, just, right. just say yeah. Triple G Canelo, right? I mean, there's a little bit of discussion in the public about that. So, well, and everyone ripped Adelaide Bird, and Lord knows her card was horrible. But everyone forgets that one round scored differently, and Dontrella's draw card would have given the fight to Golovkin in the first fight. So, there you go. Um, the answer to the question, if anyone on this boxing podcast really <laughs> cares. And yeah, Floyd Mayweather, Victor Ortiz... And Sugar Ray Leonard have all been on the show, and I'm sorry to say, crashed and burned. However, Layla Ali came in second, so so there, everybody. There you uh, go. In the upcoming season, starting, I think, the third Monday in September, which is season 28, we do know the judging structure is going to change, the way judging takes place. We don't know yet what that is, but we do know it's changing. However... The original judges are all coming back. They're just simply going to judge differently. The formula is going to be different to avoid another Bobby Bones in the future. Oh, and by the way, no more paddles. No more paddles, guys. Really? What are they going to do? I assume we're going to get electronic uh, scoring. And, you know, it's one more... It's one less thing the judges have to worry about manipulating, you know, flipping that paddle up uh, frequently you know, got in the way of them actually thinking and talking. So one less thing they have to worry about. And we're already hearing rumors about who's going to uh, participate. And the only one I think is very solid is UCLA gymnast sensation, Caitlin Ohashi, um, whose viral gymnastics routines have been seen millions of times around the world. And she's now graduated and and no longer NCAA eligible, so she's right there in L.A. Everybody knows her. If she's not on the show, um, I've really lost my touch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gail, thank you so much for joining us. You know, thank you. 
This has been such a pleasure to have you here and all of your knowledge and your experience here in the, you know, in the boxing community, you know, keep it up. You're good. Thank, Thank you. you girl. May I leave one last tip? Would you please? My fellow female viewers, ladies, have you ever been to boxing in person? Have you ever thought you wanted to go? Let me tell you something. Give it a try. It's exciting. Um, you, you don't have to be an expert to watch and enjoy. And don't tell anybody this, but there is never, ever a line in the ladies' room. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, that's real important. And by the way, my wife still wants to meet Triple G, so she'll <laughs> carry your notepad for you, okay? Tell her, tell her to stroll around Santa Monica on a weekday afternoon, and she might run into him. There you have it. And we're going to hear from Sylvia in just a couple of minutes, too. Gail Falkenthal, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I really hope you're going to come back. I will. Thanks, guys, and much success to your new venture. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. Thank you so much. And once again, everybody, uh, you are listening, you are watching the very first episode of the Boxing 101 podcast, and it's coming to you from the KOCT studios right here in Oceanside. And, and let me tell you, Ralph, I think you got to admit they, they've done a fabulous job. It's incredible. They did you know? a great job. It's beautiful in here. Very happy to be here. You know, uh, yeah, and uh, we got a lot more of these things to come. So um, I want to switch gears just a little bit now because uh, you just heard about my wife wants to meet uh, Triple G. Well, my wife, Sylvia Lopez-Jadnak, who's uh, a realtor by day and sometimes by night. She works seven days a week. She's also, like Gail, a boxing aficionado the rest of the time. And uh, by the way, she likes to use the phrase, always in your corner. So she's come up with this segment. It's about uh, taking a look at some of the local boxing gyms that we have uh, here in northern San Diego County. Hence, this is called Sylvia's Corner. So, Sylvia, where are you today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to my very first edition of always in your corner where i go around north san diego county and check out all the boxing gyms today we are here at rhinos boxing in vista california and trust me there is something for everyone such as kids boxing adult boxing strength and conditioning personal training and listen to this rock steady boxing program for those with Parkinson's. And he's also proud of the big names in boxing that have chosen rhinos, like my good friend, Mercito, No Mercy, Hesta. Only her with the pink gloves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much, Sylvia, that's great. You know, there are, uh, you know, quite a few boxing gyms around San Diego County. We're gonna, we're gonna go out and hit, uh, hit more of them. Uh, I think there's a brand new one about ready to open up in uh, Oceanside. Brick by Brick, I think is what it's called. Where is that? Uh, right over off Mission Boulevard, about uh, three blocks to the east of PCH. Okay, okay. It used, used to be a tele, telescope place. Okay, yes, yes. I know where so that's a vicious rumor. They have a, uh, 
They have a uh, sign up in the uh, up there now, and I kind of mess. I messaged them on Facebook. Still waiting for them to uh, give us a real date when they're going to open. But uh, sounds sounds pretty neat. And and by the way, Sylvia and I did go to a boxing gym at one time a few years ago. We thought we were going to work out. It didn't work out. <laughs> so you can only, you know, I I don't know about you, but I can only hit that heavy bag so many times. So yeah, I, I definitely want to get back in there. Um, well, yeah, but you know what? Your business. Just take a minute and tell us a little bit. You're in the nutrition business. So. Yes. So I have a couple stores in uh, North County, San Diego, Fitness Quest Nutrition. Um, we've been around for about six years, and we serve a lot of the local community and a lot of the military actually come to our stores. Um, we have athletes of all kinds, bodybuilders, boxers, uh, track and field people, you name it. And uh, is there some nutritional product that's really hot right now? Something that, you know what well, I mean? Well, yeah, there's one product that I really love to recommend to people. Uh, it's a product called Laxogenin. So Laxogenin is a natural plant-based anabolic. And what that does is it helps with muscle gains, muscle hardening, uh, with zero side effects. Men and women can take it. It's non-hormonal. Um, really great stuff. Uh, we've had tons of people take it. I've taken it myself. And uh, whether you get it at my store or somewhere else, definitely try it out. Give it a shot. If you want some uh, good muscle gains, like I said, without any kind of side effects, definitely, definitely look into that. Well, uh, I think this is about wrapping it up for us. You know, I want to thank everybody for joining us on our very first podcast. Is this called a vodcast? What is it called anymore? I don't, you know, it's a video podcast. Vlogcast. Vlogcast. And uh, a couple of places I want to remind you once again <clears throat> where you can find us. Facebook, it's uh, at Boxing 101 Podcast. Instagram. At Boxing 101 so podcast. You can look for it. Uh, many other places, just give us a week or two until yes. we get this thing rolling out. And uh, wherever we can post it, we're going to have it up there. So uh, once again, thank you. Thanks, KOCT, for putting together this fabulous production. And uh, we're going to see you real soon. I'm John Jednak, a.k.a. Trey J. Ralph Gonzalez. And we hope to see you soon.